Welcome to the Living Word Podcast. To find out what we're up to, check us out online at dlwc.network. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. We're starting a brand new series actually today called The Better Life. How many of you want a better life? Amen. And I'm going to tell you, I got to teach you some things today. Is that all right? Because if I don't lay this foundation, you'll miss the rest of it. But there's a reason why you're blessed. Come on, slap a high five with somebody. Tell them I'm blessed. Amen. You are, you are blessed. I'm not looking for blessing. I, I am blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. The blesser lives on the inside of me. And you too. Now I want to I ask you a question as we begin this series. And the question is really quite simple. That if there were keys to make your faith work, and for God to do a work in your life of transformation to make your, your life pure and full of joy, how many of you would want to know what those keys are? Yeah. And that's really the, the, the principle. Things that set Pat free, I'm going to share with you. I can tell you I cut my teeth on this message, and it's the reason why today faith works in my life. And I want it to work for you as well. But what I found out is there's a lot of folks that understand the gospel, but they think they understand it better than they do. And so I want to eliminate that. I, I, I want to think that, praise God, the good news is too good to keep to yourself. Amen. And it's a good thing for us to share. And so I'm going to begin this Better Life series talking to you about a better covenant. And how in the world you got it? Did you know? Come on, how many of you know if you're married, you probably already know that. Unless you're Carrie Underwood, and then she didn't know how she got married. So, some of you might know the song. Don't know her last name. How many of you know the song? Okay, there's a few Carrie Underwood people around. Yeah, thank, thank God, thank God. But you know, 38 years ago, I got married. And I, I, I still date my girlfriend. Happens to be the gal I married, though. How many of you know that's good news? They are the same person. <laughs> and, you know, over the years, not only did I love her then, but I love her more now, and we know one another better, which is miraculous that we love one another, I guess, because we know one another so well. But she could start a sentence, and I could finish it for her because we know one another that well. You know, God wants you to know him that well, too. And it starts in a covenant, that covenant relationship made with grace, that God has given us a proposal and some of you are still dating the Lord. <laughs> That's all right. When you're ready, you'll hop into the altar and say amen. All, all when the light comes on for you. But the point is, maybe the lights never come on for you, and you never got it. I, I went to church for years, and I didn't get it. I want you to be able to get it, because when I got it, it changed my life. And that's what I want to share with you really today is there's certain realities that bring, if brought to light, open up all kinds of beautiful doors on the inside of you to begin to believe and trust God with your life and do the journey with Jesus. And that's really what the thing's all about. And so if, the, if, if these realities are hidden, they make life difficult. They make faith difficult. Matter of fact, the best you can get is probably hope. And hope is good, but it's not, it's not what moves mountains for you. But when understanding comes, it brings a better life, or as Jesus called it, life abundantly. Yes. And so 
let's unpack this a little bit. And, and since the fall of humanity, if you'll read, by the way, if you're not familiar with your Bible, the Bible starts with a book called Genesis, and it describes the creation of humanity and also the fact that God gave the man that he put on it, made in his image, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living soul, and God gave them, male and female, he gave them authority on the earth over everything that God had made. And so what does that mean? He, that means Adam was in charge of all of God's creation. And then Genesis chapter number 3, the snake or the serpent, the devil, slithers in to the garden. He convinces humanity or Adam to follow his direction and disobey God's. And so all the authority given to Adam was then usurped by the devil, and he becomes the small g God of this world. I'll cover that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 in a minute. But understand today that ever since then, God announced the redemption of humanity. Now, we covered this last week. It was Easter Sunday. Amen. How many of you were here? Well, where were the rest of you? Gun smoke reruns? I'm telling you, you missed a great opportunity. And so the reality is, Jesus says, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 8, and I'm just setting the stage here, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested. Why? To destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He came to destroy what was set up through Adam. Jesus came to strip that authority away from the enemy. And now today, the only authority that the devil has is what he can get usurped from you because he can't get it from Adam. The last Adam came and got it back. Amen? Amen. Adam gave it away. The last Adam had to come get it back. His name is Jesus. And so... So there's a lot of folks that have a covenant made with grace. They just haven't received the inheritance yet. They haven't received through the gospel this great inheritance of faith. And so 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 4 tells us that if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it's hidden from them who are perishing or who are lost, in whose minds the God of this world, notice small g on that, the God of this age has blinded uh, the, the minds of those who don't believe, and unless the light of the gospel of the glorious glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so if people see how good God is and the reason why he came, suddenly the light comes on, the veil is taken away. How many of you know, we, we, we sang in our song today, he keeps on getting better. How many of you know he never gets better, we just see him clearer? Isn't that right? Come on, if he changes anyhow, he's going to be worse because he's perfect right now. So he can't change. So I don't know what we're going to do with the lyrics of that song, but now you know what we're talking about. Come on, are you with me? He's not getting better. I'm just seeing him better. And my faith is popping like popcorn. But those who are perishing don't see him. And because they don't, can't see him, they don't know him. Because the God of this world blinds their minds. And so we're just going to take the covers off right now. We're going to take the blinders off. Hallelujah. And so today, that's what the gospel is really all, all about. So understand, the devil is defeated. Say it. He's not going to be defeated. He is defeated. But it's not that he's not operational. He's still slithering around trying to get you into agreement with him just like he did Adam. So you just need to understand, when the liar comes, he's really quite good at what he does. He's a deceiver. And so he comes, and he doesn't care which lie you buy into as long as you don't buy into the truth. He doesn't, he doesn't care which lie it is. doesn't matter. If he can keep you away from the truth that sets you free, he'll keep you bound. 
Or there's some folks that come to Jesus but still listen to the devil and they go to church and they're still bound. How many have ever run into Sister Sandpaper out in the foyer? <laughs> now you know what I'm talking about. There's folks that are actually still listening to the enemy who've been born again, but their just soul's not been transformed. Come on, your heart gets born again when you're saved, but your head's still got some work. Come on, how many of you know we're plagued with bad memories? Most of them are of you. Are you with me? And so God wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 says. And so how do you do that? You get into the Word. You allow the Holy Spirit to begin to interpret the book you wrote. Amen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man and the woman of God may be thoroughly furnished into all good works. And so, so if you want to be furnished with good works, you got to get in touch with the Word. And so... Satan is empowered through agreement that he got from Adam. And look, by the way, Luke chapter number 4, when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, how many of you remember Jesus got baptized by John in the wilderness? The Holy Spirit baptizes him. He walks in the power of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness. And there he's tempted three different times. I'll just mention this, but Jesus said three different temptations every time Jesus said the same phrase, it is written. How many of you know you got to know the Word of God to whip the devil? Amen. If you don't know the Word, you're easy prey. So it's important for us to actually know what the Word of God says. So that when the enemy comes, you can say, nope, you're a liar. Get, in Jesus' name, you're a liar. This is the truth. And then just put the Word on him. Amen. Now, this is one of those things. And it reveals what I already told you out of Genesis, what happened with the transfer of authority and the enemy becoming the God of this world. Remember this now. He, he, took, he took Jesus in the, in the temptation. He said he took him to a high mountain in a moment of time, showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and the glory of them. He said, all of these things will I give to you. Listen to what he says. For they were delivered unto me, and I can give them to whoever I want. Hello? And so, in other words, what was transferred to him or conferred upon him, he could then give to Jesus, but you got to bow down and worship me. And he said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Boom, and he lays the word on him once again. What I want to show you is that that moment he revealed where he got his authority, all the way in Genesis. And, of course, Jesus knew that and rebuked him, and, of course, he got rebuked. Amen. Didn't have anything in Jesus. How many of you know he was perfect? The virgin-born son of God. And so understand today that throughout history that the enemy has continued to try to solicit agreement from anybody he can lie to and try to put you in bondage through the lies that he spreads. And every, every malady to humanity came out of the curse and the fall. I know people want to say, well, God created the earth the way it was. No, he didn't create it fallen. It fell with humanity. Amen. Romans chapter number 8 will even tell you that the earth groans and travails waiting for the adoption of sons. And so, in any case, we've got a fallen planet. Thank God Jesus is the answer, amen? I told you I was going to give you keys that can help you. So Jesus said this, John chapter number 10, verse number 10, he says that the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Everybody say yuck three times. Yuck, yuck, yuck. He said, but I have come that you might have life. The word in the Greek is zoe. That means life that never quits. It comes and it never stops. It's like the Energizer Bunny. Just keeps right on going. So eternal life is not a time. Eternal life is something that comes with, from God as a gift. And so you'll live forever. Hallelujah. Because you've got eternal life in you. 
Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. Amplified Bible says, till it's flowing over. That's full. And so God designed a way to overcome the thief with a better life. And so that's what, we, what we're going to land on today. And I want to show you in your Bible how that actually took place. But we can overcome by a connection or what's called a covenant with God. Because all of humanity is lost. I don't care how well you behave. All humanity is lost without God. And at one point, we've got to reconnect. And so God wants to make a covenant with you. He wants to share his covenant with humanity to you. Now, I want you to know the fall will never happen again. Mm -mm. The last Adam is the one that it's all predicated on. You're not saved because you're good. You're saved because he's good. You're not saved because you're perfect. You're saved because he was and is. Amen? And so God made a covenant promise to a guy named Abraham and to his seed forever. And I want to talk to you about that. So let's cover a little Bible ground. Is that all right, everybody? We're going to go back to Genesis. If you brought your Bibles, look at Genesis and uh, we're going to go there together, all right? Now, Genesis chapter number 12 is where God introduces himself to Abram. Abram is his name at the time, and Sarai, his wife. And so he says, chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now the Lord ha- uh, said to Abram, he said, Get out of this country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So Abraham's a man of faith because he steps out on this sovereign word, this audible word from God, and he doesn't even know where he's going. He just packs his stuff and goes. How many of you think that's a little eccentric? Sounds a little weird, doesn't it? So the encounter must have been a powerful one because Abraham was, was a sharp, wonderful guy. And so the encounter must have been amazing. And so he says that I will make you. Come on, how many of you know he's making all of us something? He said, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, and, you'll be, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. In other words, I got your back. For the rest of your life, I got your back. He said, and in you will all, say all, all. shout all. all, and you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Not just Israel. All the nation because of you. In other words, this isn't just a dispensational word that lasted for a time. This is a word that God established that would be fulfilled in Jesus and become a covenant promise to everyone who ever lived. That's the nature of this magnificent covenant that God made. And so when he says all, that's big. And so God calls Abram out and hits the reset button for humanity. Since the curse... There had been times when God would raise up people like Noah or, or, you know, people that would, you know, just have favor with God. But so God always had that kind of a thing. But breakthrough for humanity, it required God's intervention. He had to in, get entrenched back into humanity by invitation. And so Abram became that man. And Abraham is the one that got the promise. So it all started with a promise. I'm going to bless you, and I got your back, and I'm going to make your name great, and you're going to be a blessing to many nations. And so then catapult up to Genesis chapter 17, and God re-encounters Abram because for 20, there's 25 years between Genesis 12 and 17. 
25 years. In 25 years, God says, you're going to have a son, and Sarah's going to be his mommy. Matter of fact, he struggled so bad when God told him that. I'm talking about the audible voice of God. God says, you're going to have a son, and, and you're going to have it from Sarai, your wife. And he laughs at the promise of God. He's, and, and Sarah laughs, and Sarah's in the tent. She's laughing. <laughs> yeah, for right, for right. She's 90 years old. Surprise! Come on. You're pregnant. Yeah, right. Right next to the Geritol. Hello. Come on, are you with me? I mean, think about it. Abraham's 100 years old. And so he comes up with plan B. He's struggling to believe. Struggling. Suddenly, God has to burst into the thing and reannounce himself to Abraham. He's the one that called him out. But God said, I am the Almighty God. Almighty God is El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. I am the God who doesn't have to check with anybody before I act. I'm the one that can pull off anything. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Come on. That's, he's, he's reintroducing himself, but now he's reintroducing himself. God didn't change. He just pulled a layer of the curtain back, and all of a sudden, kaboom, there's big old God right there. And he said, by the way, I'm the one that made you the promise. If you can count the stars of the sky, you'll be able to number your seed or your, or your descendants. Sand of the seashore. If you can count the sand, you can count your seed. And that's, that's the kind of bigness. And so he says, I got to upend you and bring you into faith. I'm going to bring you over here because you've been struggling over here for way too long. 25 years. Everybody say process. Abraham has been processing. And so God flips him over into the phase of faith and says, you're no longer Abram, you're Abraham. For a father of nations have I made you. And your wife, she's not Sarai anymore, she's Sarah. And so God called him. Then nine months later, here comes Isaac. Boom, all of a sudden that promised seed is there. And so forth. And then Isaac and then Jacob, you understand. And Jacob had the 12 tribes of Israel and so forth. And he becomes Israel and, and all of that. And suddenly they begin to proliferate. And so this is what he says, verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 4. He says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. And no longer will you be called Abram, for you shall call, be shall called your name shall be called Abraham, for a, I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make a nation of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant. In other words, God said, I'm going to get this thing online. I'm going to establish my covenant between me and you and establish my covenant between not only me and you, but your descendants after you in their generation for an everlasting covenant. That's what that is. It's not one that fades with the new dispensation. It is an everlasting covenant. So what was happening here means something to you and I because it's an everlasting covenant. So we're learning something about the way that God makes covenant. He makes, he makes great covenants with imperfect people. I could talk about that. We'll talk about it later in the series. It says, also, I will give it to your descendants after you, the land where you are a stranger, all of the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And so God does some things here. He changes his name and changes, and he upgrades his faith. Two things. He changes his name, and he upgrades his faith to a brand new level. And you'll listen. I mean, when Abraham speaks from this time on after Isaac comes... <laughs> 
I mean, he's very matter of fact in faith. He's always in faith. He became the, what's called the father of faith. Up until now, father of unbelief. Father of struggling to believe. But all of a sudden, he moves into this Abraham nature of life. And so he changes his name, change, upgrades his faith. He blesses him, and he blesses Isaac. And the many-nation blessing is in process of coming to pass. Abraham, Sarah, who struggled to believe, are now believing. Now the test comes, and all of a sudden you begin to find what Abraham actually believes. Catapult up another five chapters, you find yourself in Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, offer Isaac as a burnt offering. Now he already told him Isaac was going to be the way by which he creates a nation. Hebrews says that he believed he, he would either stop him from killing him and offering him as a burnt offering, or that God would raise him from the dead. That's what Hebrews says. So there's the disposition of Abraham, but Abraham takes him, puts wood up on the donkey and so forth, servants go up the hill to a, a, the land of Moriah, and he said, to a mountain that I'm going to show you, Mount Moriah, and you're going to take him up there as a burnt offering. And so uh, notice, Abraham didn't argue with anything God said. Now, up until then, he'd been arguing with everything God said, like can't you use Hagar to make a nation? And how about my servant, my, the chief servant of my house? He'll be the, the heir that you're talking about. God says, nope, it's going to come from her. Isaac comes, and suddenly the promise is on. There's Isaac. And he's about 8, 10 years old, something like that. And all of a sudden, God says, offer him as a sacrifice, your only son. No argument comes from him. And so this is what Abraham says to his servants. He says, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go up yonder, which means he's probably from the southern part of Israel. <laughs> Went up yonder. <laughs> yonder and worship, and we will come, we, say we. we. He didn't say I was coming back by myself. He said we are going to come back to you. Amen. That means something. Amen. That's faith. That's covenant reality that is set in on him and created language for him. Let me say this. Whenever covenant sets in on you, your language changes. Yes. You never talk like you're alone or that God's hard to get along with. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay? So if my wife makes me a promise, I don't doubt that at all. Amen. Why? Because my wife and I know her to be trustworthy. Amen. So you can only trust God to the degree that you know him. Yes. And so that's the reason why to press in to know him well means something to the way your faith works for the occasions when you'll need to use it throughout your life. Sometimes it's for you, sometimes it's for your spouse, sometimes it's for your community, sometimes it's for your kids and your grandkids. And you're going to need to know the God that made the promises before you can actually release faith because faith doesn't come because you want faith. Faith comes because you know God. Amen. Okay? More later. And so Isaac... He, he, he takes him out. Isaac asked this very pointed question. He said, he said, okay, we got the wood for the fire and we got the matches, but we don't have a lamb. Where's the lamb? It's a good question. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb. All the language is so important here. They're going up the mountain, but they don't have anything to sacrifice, and it, he didn't know it. Dad didn't tell him. It's him. How many of you would have been a little reluctant to go with Dad that day? 
And so they went up the mountain. Verse number 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand to, took it to, slay his, and he, to take it to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called from heaven said, Abraham, Abraham, if God says your name twice, it's probably Abraham. Stop yelling. He said, here I And listen to Abraham's response. Here I am. That's his response throughout this whole thing. Abraham, here I am. I'm your man. Okay? Ba-ba-ba. God says to him, do not lay a hand on that lad. He said, or do him any kind of harm. He said, I know that now that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now let me show you something here. Do you know where he was in ancient times? See, understand, this was 1,800 plus years before Jesus. And so you understand, he's in the land. And he's on Mount Moriah. Do you know what that is in New Testament language? Mount Calvary is where Abraham was. Now, nobody knew the story 1,800 years before, but the same mountain where Abraham would offer his son, God offered his. Do you see the equity in covenant relationship? That God said, if I can get somebody to cooperate with me on earth, heaven will come to earth. And see, that's what did Jesus say? Our Father. New relationship with God. Nobody ever heard that language before. Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth like it is. Suddenly you understand there's a covenant connection between God and man because of the obedience of Abraham. It ushered in the Messiah that would one day come. Now, there's another layer to this, but understand today, Moses was interjected into the story to give God's people guardrails until Messiah could come. Otherwise, they would have flown off into ungodliness and the idolatry of other nations. And so God had to give them the word. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart, O God, that I might not sin against thee. Ephesians chapter 5 says that God washes his people in the water of his word. So the only way to stay clean in a filthy world is to stay in the word of God. And so Abraham started the whole thing through faith. Moses, 405 years later, was interjected into the story, and he was, he was the one that led them out of bondage and into the land that God had promised to Abraham. So Abraham's still in the story. These, his descendants had grown in Egypt over 400 years to 2 million people. How many of you know that's some serious matrimonial relations <laughs> happening here? Come on, they were multiplying like rabbits. You with me? Come on, somebody. Be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Come on. They were doers of the word, that's for sure. Now, understand, these people understood the story about Abraham, but they didn't know the God of Abraham because they hadn't had an, an encounter like Abraham had. And so Abraham had 25 years to process. They're introduced to Moses, miraculous things going on, but they didn't trust him. Why? Because you don't trust anybody you don't know. So they were in process. And God put the old nation into process to, to begin to know him. And he had to rescue them and take care of them and fight for them and so forth and open up seas for them. I'm, they were all in process. 
And the wilderness was really a journey. It was an introduction to the God of Abraham. You can depend upon him, trust him, know him. He'll change your name like he changed mine. He'll change your inside to believe instead of doubt. So now you understand that the more you know him, the more you can trust him. And Moses gave him the word of God, so he gave him guardrails to protect them from the other nations because he was preserving his, the Abraham's seed that one day would manifest and who's called the Messiah. And over the years, after the law was given, God added prophets to the, to the equation, and they would continue call to the nation, referring back to the law. Don't break God's laws. Stay in faithful covenant with God. I mean, God, you're married to God, so you can't have girlfriends in the world. Amen. I, I should have got a better amen out of somebody. Amen, somebody. So the law preserved a nation, but again, there was an environment being fulfilled for Messiah to come. And so God would add prophets to the equations. He would continually call them back from backsliding or giving in and allowing idolatry to become a part of their lives. Come on, it's a real serious word for the day we're in right now. Amen. So, So God would preserve the nation and bring a Savior and a Redeemer just at the right time. Here we go, Genesis chapter number 4, looking back at the fact that Jesus came. And this is the language that Paul uses to the Galatians. He says, Galatians 4.1, Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and steward until the time appointed by the Father. Look at me. What is he saying? That God's on his way to bring a church, a bride, a child, a son and daughter. He's, he's going to bring us up into maturity where we're really doing and acting and behaving like those that we were born to be. But until we're ready and being instructed, he says, we're like servants in the house until we're able to handle the family business. But there's going to be a time when God hands you the business and say, okay, you've come to maturity. It's time for you to come forth. So the law, as he will explain in the book of Galatians, I'm not going to do a whole study here, but he says that the law was a schoolmaster that brought us into sonship. The law brought us to a place where grace then would take over and kaboom, suddenly the covenant promises made to Abraham come to people just like you and I. Blessing to many nations, what's that mean? That means I'm no longer under the schoolmaster anymore. He's fulfilled the law in Jesus and now pow, Jesus is the manifestation of all those promises. Listen to what he says, he was steward until appointed time of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage of the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, Genesis 3, born under the law, the book of Exodus, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Not just son, sons. And all you female sons out there, there you go. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. See, when the Holy Spirit comes and suddenly he's not just blessing you on the outside, he comes to live on the inside. More, more, more to come. More to come. It's coming later. 
You're no longer slave, but sons. And if sons, then heirs of God through Christ. Heirs of God. What's that mean? That means every promise is yes and amen to you. If the blood bought it, don't wait to receive it. Just rejoice and receive. Unless you want to confuse the whole mess by acting like the first generation that came out of Egypt and refused to know him even when he introduced himself in fabulous ways. That you can take, say, oh, I don't want the real God. I'll just take the stories of Abraham. Do you know how many people there are that still go to church but don't know how to be the church? God wants you to have a better life, but you can't get a better life by pretending you have to really get it. That God's plan was redemption. In the fullness of time came God sent forth his son. The virgin birth, the spotless life, the filling of the Holy Spirit, lived with authority, showed him what authority looked like, and then said, here you go. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8 says, dwells in you, he that raised up Jesus from the dead by the glory of God the Father, he also will make alive your mortal body. Not the eternal body, the one that's right here, the mortal body. Resurrection life, living on the inside, that's what God wants for every single one of us. And he gave us a connection to the Father and the fullness of the Holy Spirit just like he had. So, so what, are we, what are we talking about here? Jesus is your redeemer. He began a covenant called the new covenant. And we're going to receive communion today if that's all right. Amen. Because Jesus, when he said, I've come that you might have life and had it abundantly, he had to become what Isaac was, a sacrifice. Except instead of staying the hand of God God went ahead and allowed his son to be crucified for you and for me so that the judgment of the law that was on us, and by the way, it includes all of us, no matter how good we think we are or how far we think we've fallen, the, level, the ground is level at the cross. And we all need him. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have a better life. Have it to the full until it overflows. And that's what God wants for you. The Bible says, Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 6, we'll rehearse this more, but the Bible says that he's given us a better covenant established upon better promises, that grace can do what law could never accomplish. Law was never supposed to accomplish it. It was just to put guardrails around them until the adoption came. And all of a sudden, Everywhere The gospel began to spread everywhere. Good news, setting the captives free, and they weren't even circumcised. <laughs> they didn't do all the stuff God said. That was to hold them for a while until the time appointed to the Father. And then grace <laughs> released. Come on, that's the gospel. I'm telling you, you're coming under the kingdom of God just listening to the gospel words flying out of my mouth right now. It's creating a glorious umbrella over the top of wherever you're sitting right now, creating a covenant environment where suddenly something alive and active and powerful to bring you a better life is happening, and it's happened under the sound of my voice right now. He said, Romans chapter number one, he said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Come on, just right there where you sit, just, just magnify him for a moment. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. 
new nature. Now we know who we are and why, how we got there, how to live our lives in new power and new liberty and new partnership with God. You say, I'm not worthy. Right, we weren't worthy. He came and put worthiness upon us. And so now it's time for our communion time. Thank you. You should have communion elements right there at your seat. Go ahead and work on it. It might take you a while to get that bread free. <laughs> One of these days we'll be back to our regular communion elements and be done with the disposable stuff. Luke chapter number 22 Jesus took bread and gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everybody look at me here for a minute. You hold your healing in your hand. And there's no healing properties in that bread. It's the faith that you release when you receive it. What, what do you say with this in your hand? Lord, I remember what you did. I remember the, the untouchable God that you, Lord, allowed your body to be completely abused in payment for our sin so that I could be restored and be healed in my body. 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes, because they whipped him with a cat of nine tails and it put stripes upon it, literally stripped the flesh off of his back and by his stripes we were healed. Don't forget, don't negotiate with it. Just receive. Say, well, you don't know my failure. I don't have to know. I know the quality of the sacrifice that made you right. I don't have to know how bad you are. I just know you can't be worse than the payment made. Paid in full has already happened. Say it, paid in full. Your healing's already purchased. Your healing has been purchased. Stop negotiating. When God says, by his stripes, Pat, you're healed, what do you say? Say what Abraham said, here am I. Here I am. Who am I? I'm the healed of the Lord. Thank you very much. Because I won't forget, communion reminds me all the time of who I am and why I am who I am. I'm in covenant with God. You remember I, I married, remember that gal I so told you I married 38 years ago? You know what she did? Up until then, she was Jackie Gurley, G-U-R-L-E-Y. When she said, I do, she became Mrs. Murray. And she's been Mrs. Murray ever since. Her name changed. Better or worse, her identity changed. <laughs> So did yours. When you marry the Son of God by His stripes, 
we were healed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread. We receive our healing today with huge thanksgiving in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for restoration and healing in us in Jesus' name and for all of those who are at the house right now in Jesus' name. Let's all receive together. Thank you, Lord. Mm. I feel the anointing of God in the room. Would you lift that cup before the Lord? The Bible says that he... Likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. New covenant, better life, better covenant. It's all part of what he did. And he didn't do it because you were worthy. He did it because he loves you. And that's all the reason he needed. Today, we're the glad recipients of a thing called grace. Come on, can we say it? Grace is better. And he wrapped it in a covenant, an agreement in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he didn't just promise you forgiveness. He promised you a brand new life full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, seven weeks after Passover comes Pentecost. Ooh, we're coming, we're coming. I'm telling you, we're coming. It's a better life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cup. It represents, Lord Jesus, your life that you shed for us so that we could be made brand new people, and that's who we are. As we receive of this cup, we give you praise and thanks for a brand new day and new beginnings for all of us in Jesus' name. Let's all receive that cup now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me here just for a moment? Maybe you're in the room today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, but maybe you've never heard it explained like maybe I've explained it today. And it was right there in the Bible all the time. But the Bible's a big book. But I've declared to you the gospel, and it's enough for you today to say, yes, I need Jesus in my life. I see the picture, and I want the result of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so today, I'm going to tell you that today in prayer... And in his name, if we'll pray in the name of Jesus, God will save you today. He will eradicate the harmful decisions that you've made in your past, and he will divide that. He will get that off of you, and he will bring you into the family of God, and God will be your father. That has to start somewhere. It commences at a place called faith. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray, and I'm not going to embarrass anyone here. But I'm not, going to, I'm not going to invite you forward. But I am going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask those of you online to pray. And if you're in the place where you really feel the Spirit of God dealing with your heart saying, you know, everything can change. If I'll put God on the inside, everything will change on the outside. I can tell you it's true. And I've got lots of things to share with you in this series. Don't miss it. Don't miss any part of this. Because I'm going to tell you about the inheritance that you've gotten, a new covenant made with God. And you don't want to miss any part of it. But it has to start somewhere. And so put the king on the inside and transformation comes to the outside. And so in a moment, we're going to call on the name of the Lord. And I just want to know who it is in the room that feels the tug of the Holy Spirit upon their life saying, Pastor, don't leave me out of that prayer. Pray for me. If that's you, wherever you are in this room, just lift your hand right now. Jesus' name, I need that in my life. I see you, sweetheart. God bless you. I see you back there. Two, three. God bless you. Four. I see you. Five, six, seven. God bless you. Eight. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Yes. 
Amen. You may put your hands down. Anybody else in the room, if you're watching online right now, there's a raise the hand button. Just touch that button right now. It's a step of faith saying, I'm, I mean business. I, I'm not going to leave this undone. I need God in my life. Just touch that button right now. And because there's places to go after we're done. When you do that, we're going to send you information about where you go from here. But it has to start somewhere. Anybody else in the room, Pastor Pat, I need that prayer. Don't leave me out. I need Jesus in my life. Anyone? Right now. God's good. Amen. Yes, I see you. Praise God. Amen. Eight. Amen. All right, everybody look at me here just for a moment. We're going to pray, and I want all of us in the room to pray together with those who have lifted their hands and just support of them. And today, and maybe you're in the room and you, didn't, you weren't bold enough to lift your hand, but you say, Pastor, I really need God. This is what Romans 10 says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, let me just tell you, before you call, what you're saying is, Jesus, be the Lord of who I am. I'm getting out of the driver's seat, and I'm asking you to be the, the driver of my life. Teach me. And I'll yield more and more of my life, but I'm surrendering. Say surrender. surrender. I'm, I don't want to be in control of me. Humanism says I'm in control. Christianity says he's in control. And it's putting him in the driver's seat of your life. You might call him Lord, but if you act like you are, you may be a little messed up. It's only when you really truly realize that he is the Lord of who I am and really surrender your life saying, Lord, obviously I don't know what I'm doing, but I know you do and I trust you now. Teach me, show me the way. And he will. And he's going to come right now. And he's going to save you. Begin to show you the way. Amen. Pray this prayer with me right out loud, right before God. God's listening. He set up this moment just for you. Those of you online, pray this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, I come in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. Thank you for believing in me. I give you my life with all my heart. I receive you now to be the Lord of who I am. Lord, you died for me. And then you rose from the dead. Live big in me now. Teach me what that means. I know I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at LWC Dayton and on Facebook at Living Word Dayton.